Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee Podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next. This free online business assessment tool enables you to pinpoint your business's vital need. Keep listening for top business tips and advice to help you level up and scale up. Here's your host, Simon Meadows. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Business Success and Coffee podcast. Today, I'm joined by Brian Morgan, and Brian is the president of Think Deeply, Write Clearly. What a great name for a business. A university professor with a long business history who designed a more effective way to teach writing and communication that serves the needs of business and culture. So prior to Think Deeply, Write Clearly, Brian was the managing editor of New York City's premier planning and engineering firm and was responsible for documents that were used to get the approvals, and listen to this, of the World Trade Center, uh, Moynihan, I think I've pronounced that correctly, station, among dozen of others. Brian developed this approach to writing and taught it at that firm to fill the gap between the university instruction and credible business language, recognising that we didn't have a writing problem in our businesses as much as we had a thinking problem that ended up in the writing. Welcome to today's podcast, Brian. Thank you so much. It is great to be here with you, Simon. I have been looking forward to this. Now, I've got to ask the question because when I saw the the bio that you so graciously sent across, and I I'll always look for words that I'm not quite sure how to pronounce, and particularly here in the UK, Moynihan is not a word that I would use. Um, am I pronouncing it correctly? And and what is it? Because for many of the listeners, might, they might be thinking, what is that? You know, is is it a rail station? You know, what what is it? So, yes, actually, it's, it's a great question and no one's ever asked me before. So thank okay. you. I'm excited <laughs> by this. This, is, this was, this was uh, one of the biggest projects that I ever worked on in my life. And right. if you think of New York City, there is Penn Station and Penn Station uh, is on 8th Avenue and 33rd Street and Penn Station was torn down about 80 years ago and they put Madison Square Garden on top of it. So when you come out of the New York City train station right now, you're coming out underneath Madison Square Garden and watch Daniel Patrick Moynihan, the former senator of New York, used yeah. to call, uh, we're cockroaches. <laughs> he said, okay. we're leaving, yep. we're, we're cockroaches and we're leaving, we come out underneath the cockroach. And so and so this is this is really sort of an ugly thing. Now, Penn Station at one point was designed by McKean, Kim and something or other, some very famous architects. And it looked exactly like the building across the street, which was the federal post office home base uh, at that time. And so what we did was we there's train tracks underneath that post office because they used to do a lot more rail with mm. the post office. And so what we did was drop New Jersey Transit and Amtrak into that building so that you come out not underneath Madison Square Garden, but you come yeah. out into one of the most beautiful buildings in Manhattan. Well, of course, there's all of these problems. And so the problems are, of course, 
there was a whole bunch of hazardous material underneath there that when they had to put to make those tracks active, we had to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. There, there was a whole bunch of, well, it's a, it's a big federal building. How much is it going to cost to buy? How much of it is it going to cost to run? How much of it, what's the best use of that space? And so now there's retail there and there's, and there's actually, believe it or not, even a, a possibility that Madison Square Garden will go inside the building, not tear it down. Uh, on the other side of the building, even from now, and we and we now fix pen. So there's all of these options here, and it was a decade of planning and about wow. two three billion dollars worth of of effort to get what we have. But it's active now, and I'm right. so proud of that because yeah, it's great. gorgeous. It's just gorgeous, and and I feel good when I get out of the train there, and it and it feels good for the city, and it's just yeah. it's one of these things where we don't even recognize the value of it until it exists and then we go i'm so glad this thing exists yeah. so that's why and we certainly very often with things i'm construction is my thing so i i love buildings and construction all day long and we forget how much effort goes into all of that even before the final plans are put to paper because there's so much of getting the ideas, the approvals and everything, even before you get that design concluded. So yeah, well well done. I'm, I'm glad I asked the question. That's a really good answer. So thank you for that. And I'm glad you thank got you. to tell the story as well. Thank you. That was great. So tell us a little bit about the coffee that you're drinking. But you, <laughs> you've made a particular point, listeners, on his bio, he said, ask about the coffee cup. So tell us about the coffee first and then tell us about the coffee cup, Brian. Okay. Well, uh, well, of course, to plug because this is a coffee conversation, we mm. have to have to talk about the actual coffee. So, uh, so the actual coffee is uh, I I absolutely love. It's Kicking Horse Coffee out of Canada, ah, which yeah, yeah. which I love, and yeah. uh, and and so I have that shipped here by Amazon, and I have a Gaggia coffee maker. And so my it's it's something I spend way too much money on every year, but I love this right this is this is one of my things for the day and i have a sense you think similarly about coffee which is why you call your thing coffee yep. so i appreciate that okay now but to the language issue what is what is actually interesting and, and we'll use maybe a book because it's easier but but this is really the primary issue that people have in business that we don't realize that we have and there is a gap between what a speaker says or a writer writes Mm. and what another person comprehends. And that gap is built subconsciously almost from the first time we start learning language. So think of when your parents start teaching you things, they say, hey, Simon, this is a book, right? This is a book. And what are they doing there? Well, what they're doing is they're saying there is a structure that has two covers and pages and fonts in it and things and this is a book but what are they also doing that we don't talk about what they're really saying is mom and dad call this a book or society calls this a book or there is a and and but we don't learn it that way so what we think is that we have power because we know something not because we understand its structure which is a very different thing. So if we understood that the book was referencing a structure, we'd have an enormous amount of critical thinking power, but we don't. We don't get it taught that way. And we shouldn't, by the way, anyone who Mm. has students, 
anyone has children, it would take too long to explain the structure of everything. But understand what we're saying. We're saying, this is a book, kid. Take my word for it. Yeah. And now you have power because you understand that this is a book. And that's not actually true. We hope that the student, the child, infers a structure and applies that to language or applies language to a structure. Now, we don't teach that. Okay, so so then we're in this position where I say, hey, Simon, do you mind if we take a break here? Do you would you go into your, you know, and, and get a coffee cup? And, and you and I are both going to hold coffee cups, which are going to look the same thing because they have the same structure. And now I'm in a really arrogant position. I've done a terrible thing for the world with that, yeah. because if we think of it, what I've just said is if I define coffee cup and say, could you go get a coffee cup and you come back with something that looks like what I had in mind, then I have false feedback from the world that I understand reality and I don't. I understand my interpretation of reality. I understand that I think a coffee cup is something and my parents taught me that they think a coffee cup is something and I agreed with them. And then I asked you to get a coffee cup and you agree with both me and my parents. But I don't understand reality. It's a very different, right? This is now, this is now where it gets weird. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So now we're in this position where nobody thinks about this, that this is how language works and this is how we get taught it until someone says, this is why you have to vote for the Tories. Yeah. And then people go, that's not true, <laughs> but it's yeah. the same structure of information. Because when, when they say, this is why you have to vote for the Tories, they are referring to a structure that they are not displaying for us. Well, it's the same thing with the coffee cup. We're referring to a structure that we do not display. And so all of a sudden we start realizing that we teach people that there is a reality and that they have power when they recognize reality, which is nonsense. There is an assessment of reality that we each have access to that we label with things and it is based on our understanding of structure. When we understand that structure, when we understand the structure of politics or they understand the structure of ideas or we understand the structure of law or language or construction or anything else, I can then speak about its structure and invite you into how I comprehend it. And that's going to give you the choice to agree that is a coffee cup or yes, wait, I should vote for the Tories. But it is your choice because I can never tell you what reality is and I can never ever tell you how to comprehend information. But because we say to students, this is a book, we yeah. teach them the wrong thing. And, and that's, an, that's the inherent business problem that we have and that's the inherent business problem that we take on. Tell me how yeah. you're doing that. Uh, and yeah, you, you just, in a simple term, uh, listeners, you know, as Brian was mentioning that, my, my wife's perception of a cup is different to mine. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm holding up what I've got my coffee in, and, you know, most people would call that a mug, okay? Now, when I say, can I have a coffee and can I eat my usual cup, that's what I mean. But my wife went to uh, a local retailer, a coffee shop, uh, it was more of a tea room than than, than anything, and my wife describes a cup as something that her parents, quite ironically, shared with her. And it's china. It's shaped. It's ornate. It's got a nice little handle. You know, the one I'm showing to Brian now, listeners, has got a great big handle. I can get I can get four fingers in that handle. You can't do that with Angela's view of a cup. So she asked 
for a cup of tea because she likes tea in a cup and she's in a tea room. The lady bought out a mug of tea. And she said, that's not a cup. I asked for a cup of tea. That's not a cup of tea. She says, that's a mug of tea. And the lady said, well, what's the difference? And my wife said, I don't want that much tea. I only want a small cup. And the lady said, only drink half of it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, guess what? We're never going back there again because they didn't show any kind of understanding or connection with Angela and what she was looking for as a customer at all. Yet the menu said a cup of tea. And because it was a tea room, Angela's expectation was a china cup of precious china and a small portion of tea in that cup, not a mug. She was actually getting more for her money, but that was not what Angela wanted. How how does that structure and that misinterpretation sort of pan out and how can we deal with with that in our lives as well as in our businesses i love that question and i love that story it's really (laughs) good Um, so um here's here's what we miss we think that language exists to share information from one person to another and it does ish but that information is based not on default information but on assumptions So what we're really sharing with someone else are our assumptions, not pieces of information. So if we go back to this, and this is is the most expensive problem in business. It really is. This is, why why do people waste money on marketing that does not work? Or why do do people only get a 1% conversion rate when they are brilliant? at their businesses and they should be getting a 30 or 40 percent conversion rate uh, it is it is this problem it, it is it is because we're caught up between this is the information i want you to know which people immediately reject because as soon as somebody gives you if 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 you were ready to hear this piece of information simon you would already believe it you don't need me to tell it to you so so what do i have to share with you so that you can say, wow, that's interesting. I've never thought of it that way before. That sounds like somebody I want to do business with. I can't share with you just information. I have to share with you my assumptions on why I think it is credible. And that was the two, three, five, ten billion dollar project problem on all of those businesses. It was very easy to write scientific conclusions. It was very difficult to explain why they were credible to the public. And that's what we needed. And that, and because I understood that, I was able to then take this structure to other businesses, and they said we need that. And then we were able to take it on the content marketing, and they were able to say, and people would say, I want all my stuff to read and look like yours, and it doesn't yeah. look like anybody else's. And it's like, well, what is that? It's because I know that I'm not sharing a value proposition. I'm sharing why my value proposition works which is what the marketers all miss. And so what we're really sharing with people for a credible comprehension, for people to credibly comprehend it, is not what we believe, but why and how we believe it, which means we have to share our thinking for it. And we're not practiced at that for the very reason we started with, this is a book, and I thought that's all I needed to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, I wanna sort of delve a little bit deeper into this because you know I found over the years, 
that you know I've I've had copy created for me, I've had content created for me, and it has given results. Okay, um, and those results are then not repeated at the same level. So something changed. Now I didn't change the copy, and actually I'm going to use an example where I actually didn't change the list that I sent it to neither. <laughs> Why did those results? change if that structure and that process was the same and the people were saying what kind of other things have an impact on the way that people receive that information and that reasoning behind and that structure as well you are very good i mm -hmm. love these questions okay so there is a standard market understanding of a problem so let's just take something that everybody knows. So, so everybody's probably heard a life coach recently, Tony Robbins or someone. And and so and so all of all of them are saying something, and they're all saying uh, some version of this. Hey, discomfort, getting out of your comfort zone is the thing that's going to allow you to grow and then grow financially and as a person and be, live a more fulfilled life in every way. Okay, so now the first person to say that it wasn't really Tony, but it was probably Tony who did it on mass. Then so the first person to say that they go, wow, that's neat. I've never heard that before. That's cool. Okay, uh... let's put this into perspective. Now I work at a couple universities. If I brought a university person in and I said, listen, this is one of the smartest people in the history of the planet. And I'm going to bring them in and the person says, hey, um, I'm Magellan and I want you to, to know that the earth is round all of my students would go get out of here <laughs> right? yeah 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 got you yeah and so and so and so there's a standard market understanding of information okay so here's the internet right this is what we don't talk about and marketers are terrible at this they don't understand this at all but this is the world this is where we are mm. so so the, so 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 here's the internet so tony does it and then he trains people to do it so let's just say now there's instead of coming across it with Tony, now now you've got everybody who went to one of Tony classes saying what exactly the same thing. So now you're inundated with that level of information. So when you first put that email out, there was a certain understanding of comprehension by the people who were reading it. It's now a year later or two years later or six years later. The email is outdated. OK, so what's the game? The game is no longer copy marketers, please note. The game isn't copy. The game isn't getting attention. The game isn't. The game is inside someone's attention span. Can you tell them something they've never heard before that they know is true? And if you can do that, then they say, I'm going to keep reading your emails and I'm going to keep subscribing to your master classes and everything else. And anybody who can't do that is going to fall into the wayside because the market will move past them. And there are people, in my opinion, who are very famous where this is happening to. I won't mention them here out of respect for them. But there are people who are very well known that I no longer follow because they haven't gotten any better at what they do. Their insights haven't changed. So what is it that the human being is actually looking for? Mm 
The human being is looking for an insight that allows them to grow. Well, what does that mean we have to do in our businesses? Continue to develop insights that allow the market and our understanding of the market to grow. It's a process. And so the marketing that we have this year is going to look like the marketing is going to be different next year. It's going to be different the, the year after that. And eventually, somebody as smart as Simon has, has an, ear, an, an, an unbreakable moat between them and other people. Where did that come from? Did that come from a funnel page? Did that come from a copywriter? No, it came from Simon's insights because he dropped three years of thinking about his 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 issues and his market and how it works and why things work and the structure of that. And he can explain it really well and nobody can catch up with him. Now you've got a real moat, but it's mm. three years now and we have to keep doing the, the language. And, and, that's, and that's the part that people miss. But that must... For the listeners, and certainly for me, you know, there's a couple of realizations there, Brian. You know, we, one, we have to keep ahead of it. So if we're going to keep ahead of it, and you alluded to this with the, the, the people that you uh, haven't mentioned, uh, and thank you for that, but the we do have to keep ahead. And if we're going to keep ahead, that means we need to keep moving. If we keep saying the same thing in the same way, then everybody else is going to catch up with us and as as you've just you know greatly explained there our audience are going to get swamped with everybody else saying it and it's no longer going to stand out but interesting as you were saying it we often talk about this is a great time to live because the access to information is exceptional access to insights yeah we can google it we can look at it on social media but that actually is also our worst enemy. It's our best friend, but it's our worst enemy, isn't it? Because we now, everybody we're sending stuff out to and communicating with in any way, they have that access and we have got to stand out in that and we have got to get ahead in it because that now is the biggest threat to us, isn't it? That amount of noise and access that our prospects, our clients, our audience have so i mean that's quite scary isn't it because that feels like something that's out of our control and feels like a real mountain to to climb and and i do want to go on to that so i want i want to hold that thought for a moment and we'll come back to that and see if you can give us some tips on how we can get round of that but obviously from your own point of view and what you've been working on because you know, i always look for credibility and the credibility is the story and the journey that people have been on themselves and I think that's what the listeners like in this podcast. What's been something that you yourself have been working on in yourself or in your own business? Oh, that's a great question. Um, the, it, the, the answer is actually the answer to, to both questions, I think. Okay, good. Um, the, the way to this, this is what I would, this is what I was saying. This is where, this is where everybody gets messed up, but I mm. believe this in, in my soul and forever and ever and ever i spend time three times a week writing for social media i don't need to i've got you know a, a nice pipeline of stuff mm. that that's coming our way in a nice base and 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 whatnot but why and here's here's what i would say about that every time i write i sharpen my instincts and i turn my subconscious knowledge into conscious knowledge which i can then write about 
that is now available after I've done that writing that week for the sales calls I'm going to be on, for the yeah. podcast I'm going to be on, for etc. for any interviews that I do. And so, and so that process, people might think, well, I don't want to spend that time. I really want to hire a copywriter. I really want someone else to do that writing. And I understand that because of the way people teach business. Yeah. But in this world, I would say the development of the insight is the, has the greatest ROI for the smart business owner. And it's the thing that has the ROI. It takes the longest to get it. And so, and so it has to, we have to, we have to put a lot of effort in to get them. And then it takes a long time for that ROI to show up, but do it for a year and watch where your business is versus where everybody else who hired a copywriter is. And it's, it's a very different game at that point. So I would say the development of the insight and, and I, and I can give this to your, if it's all right, I can give this mm, to your, please, yeah. your, podcast people right now when you read i read for between 10 minutes and an hour before i go to bed every night just depends on when i fall asleep um, <laughs> and, um, yep. and but when you read read with a pen and when you're looking for something to write think of a business problem that you're going through that that maybe a client is going through and then pick up something that you've underlined in the book i absolutely guarantee if you look at a few things you've underlined in any book you will find an access point to understanding that thing you're talking about in the business right and so for instance um i'm reading right now about demographic shifts yeah. uh, in, in the country peter zion's great book uh which i won't i don't recall the second but but you can put it in the show notes but yeah, peter yeah. guys great book and and it, it's a great and i'm reading about the demography shifts okay so if i'm going to use a demographic access point to this discussion, then I would say, if we think of how business is going to transform when the baby boomers die off, and how generation X is going to be a smaller generation, there's going to be higher taxes, there's because the, the generation X has to support uh, larger, right, there's going to be higher taxes, there's going to be higher lending rates, there's going to be uh, a less in, less involved uh, real estate appreciation. Yep. And therefore, one of the few things we can do that we control is the quality of our business and the quality of our business messaging. Therefore, when we dive into insights, we can over we can overcome demographic shifts. That's something I read last night and made yep. up on the spot. Right. And so Good. and so and so we have access to information all of the time. And what we're looking for is stimulate something from in anything from a fight with your spouse, stimulate yeah. something and apply it. And all of a sudden we start realizing that people trust us not on our conclusions. Marketers take note and English teachers take note. They don't trust our conclusions. They trust why and how we arrived at them. And so now yeah. all of a sudden, so as long as we get comfortable, writing why and how we arrived at conclusions, you end up creating a moat between you and everybody else. And it's both a financial moat and a branding moat and everything else. You've done what the marketers are trying to do, but you're doing it in a very different way. Yeah. And, and I'm interested, Brian, because obviously you, you said something for me that was uh, quite surprising, a read with a pen. 
So I have these little sticky notes that I put on books because I tend to listen. And audiobooks, listeners, if you listen to audiobooks just when you go to bed, they don't work too well because you fall to sleep and you lose where you were. Physical books are much better when you go to bed um, because you could just know where you fell to sleep at. But you were talking earlier on about some of the, the, the people and the way that other people replicate that information and, and that context. And for me, it's a very fine line between hearing something and reading something. Uh, and I'll distinguish a little bit about experiencing something because the way we experience things is unique to us, isn't it? But if we're reading something and you know, if we're studying something, the, the fine line is between modeling that and replicating it and actually using it as an insight. And I'm intrigued to see how we keep away from the modeling because then we disappear into the noise that everybody else is creating and that they're creating. And how do we keep it as unique and as an insight for us to use? Because it's a fine line for all of us when we read something, not just to regurgitate it out. I've been on some of the courses, you know, you mentioned Tony Robbins, I've been on his course and I thought, oh, great, I need to do that. And I've gone out and I've just replicated it. I've modeled it but I've not shared the insights to it. Uh, what It's a fine line. Just explain for the listeners and for me what that distinction is between modelling and, and insights sure. and how you cope so, with it as well. I'd be interested to know how you cope with that. So, well, okay. So I have, I have a, a cheap answer, which, 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 okay. I'll, which I'll not leave as a cheap answer. The, the cheap answer is I, I have been far more successful not following anybody else's model. And, yeah. and so I, I have, we, the, the marketers are now coming to us. That literally happens. And yeah. so, so I've been far more successful not following other people's models. And whenever I heard them, I rejected them. So I didn't, you know, I did pay for some of those courses. I just rejected them. So, so I yeah. didn't implement them. Okay. So here's, here's what I would, what I would encourage. It's not that the marketer or anyone else who has these systems that are wrong, but it's always an incomplete understanding of information for an individual human. And so where does the power come from? Let's just, let's just say we'll take Tony's um, take massive action, right? Yeah. That idea. Okay. So take massive action. Is that a good conclusion? Absolutely. I think that's a very wise thing to do at times. Yeah. And so, and so, but what's interesting about take massive action? Is it that somebody is repeating that? Cause I would say sometimes even Tony Robbins coaches have that difficulty where they're really just repeating yeah. what Tony would say in this situation, or is it putting it in context and say, listen, Simon, I understand what you're going through. Let me tell you, uh, what, how I'm hearing it and how I'm assessing it and what I'm, and this is why Tony says, take massive action. Well, now what's making you actually change your frame of, of reference. It's not the conclusion, which is take massive action. It's that somebody put that conclusion inside of a frame where you went, you're right. That really does apply here. And so, and so all of the things that are inferred by a conclusion are usually not spoken in somebody else's method because they're not taught, right? Yeah. And so where's your power if you're going to follow someone else's method or you think that someone else's method is very good? 
all of your power is this is why I think this other method is good. If you don't mind me sharing my ideas on it. And the client says, I really trust you. Well, are you mm, using yeah. conclusions? Yes. But why are you getting that person and not one of the other 5,000 people in that same program? Because you're sharing how you arrived at and how you implement yeah. those things and why you implement those things, which is different than just sharing the conclusions. Yeah. Yeah, and I, th and I think that's so important, listeners, what you've just heard there, because that gives your perspective, your insights to it, certainly. Um, and experiences, it's interesting you said about following other people's morals. Certainly for my own success, when I've shared um, content, certainly, it has been much more successful if it has been from my experiences as well. So if I can share what happened, the conclusion, as you said, why I saw it, how I saw it, how I came across it, and the insights I got from seeing it and understanding it from my own experience, then that is always, always been much more successful. And I think, you know, you've shared something very important there, Brian, that listeners you need to, to take away. So give us an idea. But I wanna, I'm going to ask you to share a, a tip with the listeners. I want you to give us a little bit more of an insight into that that structure and the difference between an abstract structure and that concrete structure that you mentioned. But before we do that, tell people where they can go to find out more about you. Is there something they can reach out for? Just tell the listeners where, where they can get more value from you. Awesome. So the best place to get value from me uh, right now is on LinkedIn, although we also have YouTube or Instagram or any of the others, which are a little less developed. But LinkedIn is, yeah. is the best place. And it's my name. It's Brian Morgan. But there's also Think Deeply Right Clearly as a company on LinkedIn. Um, and thinkdeeplyrightclearly.com is uh, my website. And both on my LinkedIn and on my website, you, you'll see a link to a quick call. I'd be happy to, to meet anybody. And for anybody who's interested, just send me an email or a note on LinkedIn or whatever. There's a free trial of our Thinking for Writing course, which is very inexpensive. There's a, there's a free trial of that course, which I'd be happy to just sort of ship off to anybody who, who'd be looking for that. So if that's, avail that's available for anybody who's looking for that. Um, to, to the tip, here's hmm. what I would suggest. Here's, here's the, the all of this complicated philosophical stuff that we spoke about can get summed up really quickly. Yeah, so yeah, here's the sum up. How do we know the things we know are true are true? That becomes the question. And so when we're tempted to say, take massive action, because that's what you're tempted to write on social media, right? Or anywhere else. The, the World Trade Center is safe and economically viable to build. Same thing, right? It's the same thing. How do we know the things we know are true are true? And so there's going to be a minimum understanding of the details and structure of take massive action that we can put into context for other people. That's where you get your language. You don't get it in the conclusion. You get it in the explanation of how do we know the things we know are true are true. And that is the same in a fight with your spouse or the World Trade Center needs $2 billion or take massive action. That's just the same as the same as the same as the same as the same, which is why we call it thinking for writing, <laughs> but yeah. because it's not specific, right? But but it's the same as the same as the same. And the access point, very simply, how do I know the things we know are true are true? And that's gonna give you an access point to access all of these things slightly differently. Wow. And I don't think any of us perhaps are sat here wondering how we can even 
explain the value that what you've just said there because in those few words I, i'm on my second post-it note listeners by the way of things i've written down that are going to be headlines of that and i've just put the time because i couldn't even get that written down quick enough um but but that is so so useful and so important and such a good yardstick as you say not just for our business but also our personal lives our relationships etc and it's it's a great way to make decisions isn't it and we should all go through life making better decisions and if we use those words, which I'm sure are going to be very, very prominent in the show notes, then we would make better decisions and lead a better life and a better business because of it. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And, of course, listeners, when you do reach out to Brian, just let him know that you heard about it on this podcast and that's where you found his details because then he'll know where it's come from and he'll be able to uh, make sure he uh, looks after you uh, very, very well. So, final question then, Brian. Okay. If you're going to have, and this is a real difficult one that I've been trying to work out how to phrase this because they're, they're never quite the same. But if you, were, if you were to have your next coffee and you were having it with the person that you have taken the most important insight in your life so far from, where would you have the coffee and who would that person be? Okay, great question. Uh, I would have that coffee probably at a New York City diner, mm -hmm. and the person would be the now deceased writer Philip Roth. And uh, okay. so Philip Roth, there there was a if if you don't mind thirty seconds on this. Yeah, yeah, there, carry on. There was a I think grand moment, and people call this the grand uh, part of golden era of of TV. Well, there was a golden era of books about 30 years ago, 1990 through about 25 and 2005. And it's Roth and Updike. And, and so this was where fiction was both cultural criticism and great storytelling. And it hardly ever exists anymore. It's okay. right. We get a lot of cultural criticism, but we don't, but we don't get great storytelling and we actually don't get really great cultural criticism, yeah. but but this era of writers got it. And so these were people who controlled attention span, who understood human drivers, who wrote about human drivers while making enormously brilliant comments on a society and observations from a society. And, and I, I found those books magical. And to this day, when I give up on, on fiction, and I give up on fiction fairly often, mm -hmm. right? God bless my friends who are still writing it. I, I love you. I'll still buy the book. I just probably won't read it. So, um, <laughs> so um, I, I give up on fiction fairly often. I go back and I read The Human Stain, or I read Elegy, or I read The Dying Animal. And I think, it's not, it's not the, the, the book can still be amazing. Writing can still be amazing. It's, yeah. we, we, we've lost what good writing is. And, and that's a constant reminder. So it would be a diner and it would be Philip Roth. What a great, great, great answer. And yeah, I can hear people as we record this podcast and broadcast it, scribbling down that name and saying, that's somebody I've never read before. I need to go out and get that. So there's going to be, we, you know, whatever his dynasty is, they're going to thank you for that shout out because there's going to be people reaching out and getting copies of his books. So uh, perhaps we ought to take royalties or commission from that. But uh, you, you've shared so, so, so much. Um, can I ask one final question? Okay. And this is something that as you were talking there and hearing your passion behind writing uh, and the structure that you've mentioned. 
what was the moment when you realised you had this passion for writing and for words and for language and for everything you've talked about today? What what was what was that start of the journey for you? I don't want to know the whole journey. We haven't got time because that's a whole different podcast. But what was that moment, and when did you realize, yeah, this is what I want to do? It's great. So what I'm doing is slightly different than what I thought I was going to be doing, and and that's really the moment I'm going to talk about. So so I thought I was going to end up on Oprah's couch and um, do you know be interviewed as a great novelist. That that's where I wanted to go. And I went to two different master's programs for writing and I had very good agents at one time and I wrote a very good book and um, other, other things along that way through, through, through things we went through, none of that worked out. And uh, in one of those writing programs, one teacher who was brilliant spoke about just write your observations, just write your observations. And now this was the opening. And the minute we change that from write the story, write the character, write to get published, write because this is what's popular or whatever, but write your observations, that was powerful. Then there was a moment where I was just about to graduate from that program. And I said, I'm beginning to think that observations aren't enough. There's a a part of this process that is undiscussed, and that's how we make sense of our observations. It's our assessments. And it went over everybody's head. But I knew because I had a business background, that was the ticket. And so investigating that has literally been worth millions of dollars for me. It was that insight. It was just observations aren't enough. We have to assess those observations. What is a credible assessment? How does that work? That literally changed my life. It was that moment right there in that class. Yeah, and I'm glad you shared that because the credibility of everything that you've just said has just gone up a hundredfold just by sharing that story so thank you for sharing that it certainly you know has been a privilege to have that insight in into your journey and in your position in that as well it's been great having you as a guest listeners you've taken so much value uh, i can't explain what kind of difficult job anna is going to have of listing the show notes for this <laughs> um, sorry anna you know lots that we've mentioned there that need to be in this but yeah, I really do appreciate your time and you're giving us such an insight. And I know there's going to be at least another version of this that's going to come out where I'm going to want to ask more questions about this. So um, listeners, yeah, look out for next episodes and reach out to Brian and make sure you connect with him. It's been an absolute pleasure. And for you, thank you. And I look forward to those future conversations as well. Yeah, certainly. And listeners, all you need to do now is actually go out there and look for those insights and share those insights and implement what Brian has shared with you in this. And of course, tell us what you've done with it and leave us a review. And I look forward to having you on the next podcast episode. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. Don't forget if you'd like any help and support with your business, do get in touch with Simon. And to discover what your business needs you to fix next, visit www.sterlingcoaching.fixthisnext.com. Please do subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And Simon would love you to rate and review the show too. Thank you.